I still had my helmet on. My head was inside the mini fridge and the door was open to my studio apartment. Like, I'm lucky I didn't get robbed. My bike was thankfully still there. Like, I had bonked. The, this was the king of all bonks. I've never experienced something like this before. Diz Runs Radio, episode 948. Starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, uh, real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, today's episode is brought to you by my friends over at Head Sweats. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, getting to be that time of year where uh, everything sweats, not just your head, everything sweats this time of year, at least down here in, in uh, Central Florida. Goodness gracious, every, everything sweats, but at least my head's taken care of uh, thanks to uh, an array of different hats. I even got a couple of visors, but I'm really not that much of a visor guy, much more of a much more of a hat guy than a visor guy. But uh, what I love most about, maybe not what I love most, one thing I appreciate about Head Sweats is that they've got all different styles, all different makes, models, cuts, colors, designs, the whole nine um, from winter hats, which you probably don't need right now, but maybe... Maybe Lesterberg, maybe up in in Fargo, maybe you still need a winter hat. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not here to tell you what you need. If you do, Head Sweats has got you covered. Uh, you know, and if and if it's just hot and steamy, and and uh, maybe you get you know six days of sunshine in Fargo for the summer, maybe you want a a, a you know a, a nice trucker hat. Uh, uh, you know, some other type of brimmed hat, maybe a visor. Uh, whatever it is, Head Sweats has got you covered. Uh, they got all the things, and we got a good discount. You know, not, I'm not saying, I'm just saying 40% off, like four, zero percent off. That's legit. So, uh, and we also have the, the trifecta here is I have an affiliate link. So if you're ready for a hat visor and they even have clothes too, which, which head sweats, you wouldn't think, but they got shirts and, and, um, leggings for the ladies, no leggings for the guys. Sorry. But, uh, t-shirts, uh, long sleeve shirts. Again, probably don't need the long sleeve stuff right now, except for up in Fargo. But, uh, anyway, check out all the, all the things cause they have all the things and I stand behind everything that I've gotten from them, at least. Uh, good stuff from Head Sweats. Uh, but if you go through the link, disruns.com slash Head Sweats, that's the affiliate link. I get a few shekels for anything you buy. And then, and definitely do this no matter what link you go through to get there, use the code DIZRUNS40, D-I-Z-R-U-N-S-F, not F, four, zero. DIZRUNS40, all one word. Save yourself 40% on literally anything and everything that you order. I don't believe that even when this stuff's on sale, you still get the 40%. Uh, when they have a free shipping day, which, you know, not for nothing, pay attention to those, you still get the 40%. Um, so, so great code, great company. Glad to be a, a part of their team this year and uh, glad to, to be wearing, wearing their hats, keeping my head from being too sweaty while the rest of my body, I need, I need body sweats. Well, maybe I don't need body sweats, but anyway, you know what I'm saying? Get yourself a hat, get yourself a visor, get yourself a beanie, whatever you need. Uh, they got masks too. You need a new mask, get a new mask. Uh, all the things, head sweats, no, disruns.com slash head sweats, disruns 40 at checkout, save yourself 40%. And now without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, uh, today's episode is going to be uh, a little different than most of the previous 900 and whatever episodes it's been because uh, today's guest 
is currently much more of a cyclist than he is a runner. Um, and by much more, I mean pretty much exclusively a cyclist and really not a runner at all. Um, although he's certainly used to do a lot of running back in the day. Uh, so it, it still fits, I think. And, and if not, I make the rules. So we'll, we'll break the rules today if we need to. But uh, anyway, uh, like I said, I'm not sure I've ever had an ex-runner on the show before today. So, you know, first time for everything. Break the rules. Throw out the molds. Let's, let's try something new and have a little fun today. So it's a pleasure to be able to uh, welcome uh, a fellow Head Sweats ambassador, which is where we first connected, the, the Head Sweats Facebook group, uh, Mr. Andrew Neil Nunez to the show. So uh, thanks for joining us today, Andrew. Really appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Denny. Excited to be here. Yeah, looking looking forward to it. And, and you know, I mean, obviously, every conversation with every person is going to be a little bit different. There's nuance. There's mm-hmm. there's different things that go on all 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 along. Uh, but like I said, I, this one's going to be really different. Uh, I think. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see where it goes. Uh, yeah. But guys, if you want to uh, connect with Andrew and follow along with what he's got going on, uh, his Instagram handle is at Andrew underscore Neil N E I L L underscore Nunez N U N E Z. Um, just his name, real simple underscores in there though. Don't want to forget those. Um, but as per usual, everything linked up in the show notes and lots of other things that we'll talk about today that will be linked up there as well. Uh, disruns.com slash nine, four, eight, disruns.com slash nine, four, eight. We'll get you back to the show notes today. Photos, links, the whole nine as per usual. So Andrew, the way we always uh, start off the show is with a, with a simple question, uh, that's, that's, Simple to ask, sometimes simple to answer, sometimes not so much. Um, and and I know I kind of gave you the little heads up on this before we got started, but I'll, I'll you know you can you can take it running wise, you can take it cycling wise, you can take it both. You can kind of you know have full reign to answer this one however you want. But it's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? Well, uh, I'll answer it on the on the running side um, first. How about that? We'll we'll answer this in two parts. Perfect. So uh, my favorite distance to race is the marathon. Um, I've, I don't have a fast twitch muscle in my body. I don't believe that it exists. Um, so I have a big diesel engine, uh, and, uh, yeah. So marathon, although I was never great at it, I enjoyed doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, on the bike, it's a 40 kilometer time trial. That's, um, brutally hard and purely for the masochist. And again, you don't have to have a fast twitch muscle in your body. So suits me fairly well. Okay. So, so you're certainly talking to somebody who, knows basically nothing about cycling other than like, I know how to ride a bike, but like the finer <laughs> points of like cycling and racing, sure. I have, I have no idea. Um, but I feel like, and certainly correct me because I'm probably wrong, but I feel like the, the 40 K time trial, I mean, obviously it's, 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 you know, 40 K is not nothing. I mean, for those that don't speak metric, like that's almost a marathon, a marathon's 42 almost. kilometers. Right. Um, but I feel like that, you know, what would be the equivalent distance for that in, in running? Cause I feel like that might be borderline 5k territory, maybe 10k. I don't know. Like as far as kind of what the equivalent type, like you said, masochist effort, um, yeah, which I feel like um, there requires some, some fast switch muscle there is what I'm trying to get if, at. If you equate it to not necessarily the distance, but the time and the perceived effort, mm-hmm. it's about, um, well, it's a little under an hour. So okay. like, uh, you know, 48 to 54 kind of minute effort. So like, so a good 10 K for us mortals that aren't, you know, good hard 10 K kind of thing. Um, um, except you're doing it at like 30 plus miles. Right. Yeah. You're flying. (laughs) (laughs) Oh goodness. That's, that's, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm well on record as saying, I don't like the five K so much because it's just so hard from the the get go. Um, uh-huh. And the 10K, of course, I mean, it's it's similar. You're not quite as hard from the get-go, but obviously it, it, it goes on a bit longer. So, um, so yeah, that sounds like a pretty masochistic type of distance where you're just more or less hammering it for, for the entire uh, yep. 40 kilometers. That's about right, yeah. 
about Ryan. It's about right. So, uh, <laughs> turn turn back the clock a little bit. Kind of, we'll, we'll, like I said in the intro, we'll kind of start off talking about running and then kind of get into some of the cycling stuff and and sure. obviously some of the uh, the big the big things that hopefully will be uh, in your not too distant future. But um, what what was what was your running history like? I mean, you know, not not a fast twitch uh, muscle in your in your body. You assume so. I'm assuming not a lot of track in in your early days. But how did you get well, started? Well, actually, of actually quite a bit of track. Okay. As a matter of fact, albeit uh, I was never the you know, not the top runner uh, or so. So I grew up down in um, in Coos Bay or North Bend, Oregon. Mm-hmm. So uh, hometown of Steve Prefontaine. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, uh, he's a, a kind of a family friend is the, is the Prefontaine family, Linda Prefontaine, her, uh, his older sister. Anyways, um, so yeah, grew, grew up down there on the coast. Um, it's a podunk little coast town. And we'd run in the sand dunes and run on the track and in a teeny tiny little North Bend high school um sort of track team and cross country team. That's where I got my start. Uh, and I loved running. I never really kind of fit in as a traditional athlete, you know, sports was, um, loosely my thing, but, um, it, uh, yeah, I, I got pretty good at the 5k and then realized that, uh, what I thought was pretty good was, uh, actually not, <laughs> not super great. <laughs> um, once you go to the meets and start to start to realize that there are people who are much, much faster than you, um, yeah, so I started doing that and then did a bit, uh, bit on the track as well. Um, and uh, yeah, so largely just stayed to the to the 5K, did a little bit of 10,000, found I was better at the 10K than I was at the 5. Um, would run, uh, I'd run year round. I'd, I'd also do, I played soccer in high school, you know, and, and was, uh, had a good left foot and could run a lot. So they put me as a, as a left mid. And so I could just run up and down and cross the ball and cross the ball. Um, which I think is a lot I've, I've, after talking to a lot of folks, I think that's a pretty common, uh, a recipe to, to have high school athletes play is, is midfield <laughs> right. if you can run. And then, um, if you happen to be able to kick a ball, then, you know, kudos to you sort of thing. Um, so I got pretty fit and I got pretty good. And then, um, uh, I, I don't really remember how this entirely happened, but it kind of fell into my lap with uh, being invited to run with my older sister, um, the Newport Marathon. And so it's, it's a flat, fast marathon. Um, there's oyster shooters on course. Do not recommend, but a lot of people <laughs> did. I tried it uh, the first time and um, was definitely retching in the, in the garbage can oh, afterwards. Um, yeah, oyster shooters at like mile 13. Um, awful. Awful, I mean, I, I've taken idea. shots of a couple things during a marathon before, but oysters is not going to be on my list. Like that's not, yeah. no, Ain't yeah, happening. hard, hard pass for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I did that and found like, uh, I, I enjoyed that. You could just kind of, you know, turn up the pace and just kind of grind along for, well, for, for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my times were never really that impressive. I never really did it for time. I think I was in the four hour mark for my first marathon. Um, and, um, then something, something happened, started running a little more or finding that I had some, um, how would I say that? Some prowess, loose, loose. Mm-hmm. That's a very loose term prowess in, uh, in the 5k doing cross country, um, would run the state cross country meet every year, you know, up at, um, they do it at Lane community college here. Um, I don't, I, I say these times, but, or these places, but, uh, where are you, <laughs> where are you based? I'm in, I'm in Florida. So yeah, okay. like, I don't know so, exactly yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah. Oh, right. absolutely. Yeah. So local, <laughs> uh, local community college would host the, um, uh, would host the state cross country meet. And, um, 
found, you know, I'd, I'd take top 20, top 10. My best was, was ninth in state. Um, and well, that's so I not nothing. Up, that's, that's pretty good. You know, and, and I felt like I was, you know, maturing as an athlete and getting mm-hmm. a little bit better and, um, was kind of starting to see an upwards trajectory. I could, um, you know, I, uh, my best ever time was, was just under 16 minutes for a five. Cause it was like five or 15, 58, mm-hmm. which by, by, uh, these today's standards is, you know, way, <laughs> way off the mark. Um, uh, yeah. So I was doing really well. Uh, my junior year into high school was out to run the state cross country meet again. Um, actually let me back up before that. Um, so fell into my lap after doing well at state there was the brand La Sportiva. They're an Italian um, outdoor brand. They make climbing gear. Um, they do quite a bit of trail running, but they weren't didn't have their trail running stuff in the U.S. market at the mm-hmm. time. And um, I somehow got linked up with these old dudes. Um, old dudes when you're in high school is they were probably in their twenties, <laughs> right. you know. Um, but um, yeah, I got hooked up with these old dudes who um, kind of got me into trail running and doing some longer distance. So like doing a marathon on the trail and doing mm-hmm. um, there weren't really age restriction or, or um, there weren't really any distance limits for how old you were, you mm-hmm. know, um, at the time. So we do a 50K, we do some out in Bend, we do some out in, in here. And so it was just an opportunity for La Sportiva to try and get into the U.S. market and just put a, like a toe in the water and see how that goes. Um, so this was like, uh, 2002, 2003, okay. 2004, somewhere around there. Um, so they weren't really known in the market at all. And somehow I got hooked up with some, some shoes and a singlet and I was a, um, I thought it was pretty hot stuff, you know, <laughs> to, <laughs> to given a pair of shoes. Um, yeah. So then went into my, um, cross country state meet at the end of the season. Um, and there was a, a little lip that was cut. So the, the uh, cross-country course is very rolly and lumpy. Mm-hmm. And there was a little bit of a lip um, and that they cut with like a cat tractor. So it's a pretty hard step that you'd like get into, kind of get a little muddy and then come out of the mm-hmm. lip and run up the hill. Um, so it was more of a scramble. And uh, I got my feet caught in the lip and I bent forward like a stork. Oh, no. And that was the end of my running career. Um, trashed my knees, tore um, ACL, uh, tore hamstrings, um, just kind of ruined me. Uh, (laughs) Ta-da. So, so that was it. Um, That was the end of my, my running. Um, Had a fair bit of surgery, spent a lot of time off, off my feet, was in a walker for a little bit and with a cane for a while and kind of relearning how to, how to make my body move again. And um, game over, (laughs) you know? Um, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I'm sitting here, you know, it's as, as one of those older dudes, right. From, from like, well, I'm, you're not I'm, that old. I'm, I'm 39, you know, as I'm, I, for where you would have been in, uh, in high school, I'd be an ancient yeah, you, dude. Uh-huh, sure. Um, but I'm just sitting here thinking like, you know, if, if something like that were to happen to me now, you know, some type of crazy injury, fluke, fluke, non-fluke, like whatever, fluke. like yeah, totally. some, uh-huh. some type of crazy injury that, that really just kind of made it to where I couldn't run anymore. Like, like I don't even want to think about the, 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 the emotions and kind of how that would, that would play out, but it wouldn't be great. And I, I feel like <laughs> right. if I was yeah. 16, 17 years old and, and you know, not to, not to, to gloss over the fact that at that point, like 
you've you've I don't know. I mean, I feel like it, at least in, in I know in college, like at a, at a at a at a college conference meet, like top top nine, top ten, like that's placing. So you placed you potentially placed at a, at a high school state meet, um, mm-hmm. ran a marathon, ran ran an an ultra or two, like like you know, kind of not saying. I mean, who knows what would have how it would have shaken out, but like you were in a pretty good trajectory. Like like things were going well for you as as a runner. And again, you're 16, 17 years old. This happens. Like, I mean, right. how I have to imagine it was pretty devastating. But like, how did that? How did that hit you? Uh, well, I, that's <laughs> that's pretty spot on. I mean, you're you're an angsty, hormone raging high schooler. So like, yeah, of course you're <laughs> you're every emotion under the sun, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that was that was tough. Um, it. Uh, um, it was, you know, at that time when you're a junior in high school, you were, you know, starting to think about college and starting to think about, you know, where do I want to throw hundreds of thousands of dollars to, to dictate the rest of my life sort of sort of deal. Um, and yeah, you know, everything was just kind of felt like it was grinding to a halt. I didn't have any, there was no scholarships, there was no sponsorships aside from, you know, pair of shoes from La Sportiva, but like, um, I didn't have anything lined up and I wasn't expecting anything to be lined up, but yeah, you were right. I, you know, I, I felt like I was on a, a pretty good trajectory. Um, I love running. I absolutely love running. I follow ultra, the ultra scene. Um, I, we follow track and field. We're, we're here in Eugene, Oregon, where we mm-hmm. just had, um, we just opened up Hayward field, the new Hayward field, um, where we're going to host uh, track and field worlds here in right. Eugene. And, um, my wife is actually very heavily involved with Hayward Field as well in the University of Oregon. And so we're just, we're really plugged in. And um, uh, yeah, so sucks. <laughs> I think that's the, that's the overarching, yeah. overarching theme. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not the type of person who, who can just sit still and not do anything. So I, you know, after I could kind of get up and, and moving around and, and be a little more agile, I tried to run again. And I tried so many times to run again and just, you know, I'd go out for, you know, when you, when you take a little bit of a break, maybe you go on vacation and you, you take a little uh, bit of a break off of running and you start up again and it's like, oh, there's some, you know, aches and pains Mm -hmm. and twangs and things. And you, you get the shin splints and they're just, your shins are a little happy, but they're not super painful, (laughs) you know? Right. Um, and, uh. Yeah. So you, you start to do that and then like the, the pain would come in and this is a different level of pain where it's just like, I can't do this. And so I try it again and I get to the same thing and I can't do this. And so, you know, I finally kind of reserved myself to, um, there were some dark times in freshman year of college, as I think there are for a lot of freshmen in (laughs) college. Um, you know, it's a big discovery phase for all of us. Um, but, um, yeah, uh, my uncle gifted me a road bike, um, and that was kind of it. Mm-hmm. Where I I could see, you know, I was I was um, I was the king of the bike path here in Eugene, and uh, and I really enjoyed the ability to finally get that um, engine running again. You know, it, it's the same kind of feeling whether you're you're running distance or you're running you know, long distance, middle distance, whatever, mm-hmm. but, um, you get that engine up and churning and, and it just feels good. And I could f- simulate that on the bike and here we are, here we are. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, it, clearly, uh, it, I don't want to say that it worked out well, but thankfully your, your uncle gave you the bike and it was able to, to kind of, even if it wasn't a complete 
way of scratching the itch. It was something, <laughs> yeah, and, and it, it allows you, yeah, allowed you to right. get moving. And, and and I mean, you know, you're talking to a bunch of runners, and and I mean, I would it, pretty safe to say this applies to any type of endurance athlete. That like that that release that you get, the mental release, the physical yeah. release, like it's all it, it it all is is a key part of just day to day life, or at least you know reg, the, a right. regular part of, yeah. of your routine. Um, so you get you get the bike, you start riding it. It's you know, it's going well. It's it's something. It's it's not nothing. And 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 you're <laughs> maybe finding that, that this is this is this is an all right thing. Um, and again, I know nothing. So so forgive me if this sure. is a totally ignorant no, that's question. Fine. Um, but like I feel like judging by the time frame and certainly judging by the location that you're in, from what I know of it, from being a a, a East Coaster, um you know, pretty good running scene. And, and, and even that time frame as far as running bubbles and the, the rise in popularity of running in general and, and even mm-hmm. trail and ultra running. Um, mm-hmm. What was what was the, the cycling scene like at that time? As a guy who knows nothing, I feel like there's not that much of a cycling scene in the U.S. and, and maybe more out on the West Coast than there is on the on the East Coast. But what, what was the cycling scene like then for you? I had no idea. I was mm. completely unplugged to the scene at the time. Um, I I would ride the bike path and... And that was it. Um, and there was, you know, 12 miles, six miles out and six miles back of the bike path that I knew. And and I, I was not plugged in at all. Mm-hmm. It took a while to get plugged into it. There's a fairly substantial cycling scene um, here in, in the Willamette Valley on the West Coast. Um, especially, you know, there's, there's quite a bit in Oregon. There's quite a bit in... Um, in Washington and California, actually, there's a lot in Florida. However, really? it's it's more on the triathlon side. Okay, yeah. Um, but that still, you know, that, that still lumps mm-hmm. into the cycling category. You know, people on bikes is is people on bikes. Right. Um, but uh, you just don't have the hills like we have out here. You know, <laughs> we have overpasses. That's those, those are our hills. <laughs> we uh, my my wife and I went for a hike yesterday, and we ended up with um. It was just a, it was an easy seven mile hike, you know, nothing, nothing hard at all. And we did, uh, 1900 feet of, of elevation gain. Um, and I, I, just I don't think I've got 1900 feet yet for the, for the year. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm um, kind of not joking. Like I probably do, but like probably not by much and certainly not but, in, in a week and definitely not in a month. So, yeah. But you probably have 10 times the distance though. You know, what I, translates not invert is, yeah, is, is relates to distance. That's yeah. True. Um, I know I see a lot of these uh, Florida cyclists and they're logging, you know, um, so many thousands of miles more than than we do over here. Um, but then you look at the elevation change and it's like I've got, uh, you know, almost a million feet of elevation uh, over the year. And it's like, oh, yeah, OK. <laughs> yeah. Just get out, get out and cruise, whether you're on the road or on yeah. the bike in Florida. Just right. Beat the heat. Yeah. But other than that, just cruise. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, you know, back, back to your question of the cycling scene, there was, um, there was a cycling scene. I just wasn't plugged into it and slowly and slowly and slowly it got plugged in. Um, first thing I noticed getting into the cycling scene versus the running scene, the the running scene. And I feel like this is true, although chime in if it's not, uh, where, where you're at, but like the running scene is so open and welcoming. Mm -hmm. Granted, there are some niche, you know, Mm -hmm. like, Ultra, or uh, elite teams that like kind of snub their nose at you if right. you show up to their runs or, or whatnot. But like for the most part, the running scene, if you show up to the the local running stores weeknight run, mm-hmm. like you are welcomed with open arms yep. anywhere in, in the country that you go, you know, um, in the cycling scene, you have to like crack the safe to get in sometimes. <laughs> it is so... Um, 
Uh, well, there's not going to be a lot of cycling people listening to this, so it's yeah, so <laughs> elitist and snobby that um, it is like it's so difficult to get into, and and it's a real big turnoff, especially if you don't. I mean, I'm coming at this with a fair base, you know, of mm-hmm. of of fitness and and whatnot at the time, um, and like if you don't have the fitness, and you get same thing as getting dropped on a run, getting dropped on a ride, except now you're. 30 miles from home right. and you don't know how to get back. Right. This isn't your, your five mile loop where it's like, Oh, you're still in the city limits or, Oh, you know, we're just on the path, turn around and go home. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, you know, you're in the middle of nowhere and no one cares if you get home or not. It doesn't matter. Like that's, that's the attitude in the cycling scene. Um, at least, at least here in this mm-hmm. area. So it was difficult to get into. Um, yeah. So as, as you start to discover it and, and, you know, figure out the password and the handshake and all those types of things yeah, right. so that you can, you can ride with, with the crew. Um, did that, I, I'm assuming that that kind of maybe, maybe made it more of an itch scratcher, if you will, going back to the previous question about not oh, being sure. anymore. Like now you've got yeah. people around you and maybe hearing about races, things like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, the first thing that any snobby cyclist will tell you is that your bike is garbage and you need <laughs> you need new equipment you know and they they probably have something to sell you this is this is such a stark contrast from the running community because you'll never sell somebody your used running shoes you'll go buy another pair you know mm-hmm. um but these guys are like oh i've got you you need faster wheels oh you need a faster bike oh well i, I actually have one for you for sale i'd cut you a sweet deal it's like this wheeling and dealing <laughs> sort of sort of deal all the time so um yeah, you know, it, it definitely, once you got in, then it was mm, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't great. Um, but I remember, so I'll tell you my, my story, my first ride. Um, I was in, I was in college. I was at the U of O here and um, went for a ride with the U of O cycling club. Um, up to that point, I'd only ridden on the bike path and never ridden a group. Mm-hmm. And they took me out for this like 60 mile ride um, which is a, a big ride by any standards. And, um, and I had, I was wearing jeans and I was wearing, <laughs> I had like a bottle of Gatorade and a cliff bar. And I don't, I think I was too scared to grab any of those, like to eat or to drink on the ride. Cause I was too scared to, you know, that I was going to crash into somebody mm-hmm. or, or whatnot. Cause we're riding, you know, um, inches from each other. We're riding all really tight together as, as you'll see us. And, um, yeah, so I get back from the ride. I'm on this third floor studio apartment. Um, I like, and there's no elevator, so I huff my bike up the three flights of stairs. I am exhausted. I get into my apartment, throw my bike on the ground, and open up my mini fridge. And in this mini fridge, there's like old pasta. There's <laughs> like I I had the ketchup bottle open. It was just eating ketchup into my like I so so Denny. I I woke up. This was, you know, a morning ride or ended up in the ended in the afternoon, like mid afternoon. I woke up and it was dark outside. I still had my helmet on. My head was inside the mini fridge and the door was open to my studio apartment. Like, I'm lucky I didn't get robbed. My bike was thankfully still there. Like I had bonked. the. This was the king of all bonks. I've never experienced something wow. like this before. Um Although if, if you've ran any kind of big distance and have, you know, and just given everything for that event, this is the same mm-hmm. feeling where you're just, you're so depleted. Um, you just, I mean, clearly not thinking, <laughs> thinking straight at all. 
you know, um, but it was just like pour anything and everything I could get in the fridge into my mouth. It didn't matter what it was. It just, it needed to be in me at that time, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, so I like kick the door closed and then crawl my way into the shower. And like, I'm sitting there still with my helmet on, I'm wearing my (laughs) jeans. I'm in the shower wearing a, like a dry fit t-shirt jeans and a helmet and, and slowly started to like reclaim my body back. And then after that, I was like, man, I am hooked. I Mm. need this. I like, yeah, um, I need more of this. Um, it's that same kind of deal on, on, you know, um, on the road or on the trail that like you get this, this sense of accomplishment, like this was miserably hard. Mm -hmm. I'll do it next week. Right. You know? Um, and yeah. And so it just kept at it. When did you, and there's a little foreshadowing here and I'm not going to let the cat quite out of the bag just yet, (laughs) but when did you realize that you, you know, that you had an app that you were good, you know, that, 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 I'm sure it wasn't an overnight thing. A lot of, certainly a lot of work that goes into it. But like, when did, when did you realize that, that this cycling thing is, isn't just something that, you know, you can do with the, with the, the university, you know, cycling club and that you can do with the, with the group of guys now that you're not in college anymore, sure. but you can do it on on the weekends and, and run some, ra- you know, ride some races once in a while. Like, when did you realize that there was really like, like, like you've got some, some potential in the world of cycling? So, um, it took me, took me a while, um, to adapt to the sport and find what I was good at. I didn't know if I was you know, just like in, in running a lot of this, you know, translates, it's Mm -hmm. like, are you good on the Hills? Are you a sprinter? Are you, uh, uh, you know, what are you? So I didn't know. Um, and I thought I would try everything and I thought I would be good at everything. And it turns out I'm not (laughs) Uh, (laughs) surprise, surprise. Um, so yeah, I, um, I got through college and I was probably one of the worst bike racers on the collegiate team, um, would get dropped every single race would um dropped and or just wouldn't finish because i was i was too far off of off of the pace of of the rest of the group um and i struggled and i'm just so thick-headed that i was unwilling to just say yeah i'll just do this for a hobby um mm-hmm. I'll, yeah so it's too, too stubborn to to say no so I kept at it and kept at it and kept at it. Um, and it wasn't till after college did I find that like I was pretty decent at this. So we would do, so typically in a, in a collegiate bike race, it's in an Omnium format. And an Omnium format is um, over the course of two days, there's three races. So one of them is a road race where it's a long distance, usually somewhere, you know, um, for the beginner categories, it's in the 40, 30 to 40 ish mile okay. for the elite categories. It was in the 80 to 90 mile mm-hmm. kind of range. Okay. Mm-hmm. So maximum like a four hour level of event for the, for the elites. Um, then it would consist of a criterium, which is a very short course um, that usually has some really tight corners. These are the most spectator friendly. If you've ever watched a bike mm-hmm. race, like in a downtown, like there's downtown crits or things like that. Um, these guys are just ripping through corners as fast as you can. And this is a course that suits the sprinters Okay. where there's a, usually a massive sprint at the end. These guys with these giant thighs come out and just rip your legs off. And, um, yeah. And so, uh, those are, those are two. So it's the, the road race and then, and then the criterium. Um, and you can see this Omnium kind of format fits a variety of riders. Usually the road race is hilly. So it features, you know, the mm. people who can climb really well. Mm. The criterium is sprinty, so those who have the fast twitch sprint muscles can do really well. And then you have a team time trial. <clears throat> and so the team time trial is 
it's a very pure race. And this is what I love to do is um, it is, in this case, it was three guys and you're all trying to go as fast as you can um, against the clock. And it's just mm -hmm. um, fastest three guys to cross the line win. But you're going off in like one minute intervals between the teams. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So um, I was so bad at time management that I would miss my start time almost it was a, it was almost a joke in the team where it's like oh where's Andrew oh he's probably warming up for the start of his race that started ten minutes ago kind of thing <laughs> um, and so I would I would notoriously miss my start time um, my two riders would my two teammates would go off in front of me um, I'd roll up to the line and the official would say well your your team already went off like off you go you can try and catch them and I would almost always catch them by passing other teams on my own. Mm. And so that's where I found, like, I've got a big engine. I can just turn the screws really, really high and just kind of motor for a long time. So, like, these guys, teams of three, and you're all sharing the load, if, if you're familiar with the, the term of drafting, where mm -hmm. there's one guy in the front and the guy behind him is doing substantially less work and has the ability to recover for a few seconds before the guy in front pulls off the front and then they kind of share the, the workload. So they're, they're drafting and recovering when they're not taking a, a turn at the front of the line. Okay. And, um, I would individually, um, catch and pass teams to try and catch up with my team. Once mm -hmm. I would catch my team, I would drag them around the course and, and, and take them straight through the line. We'd never finish well. Um, well, because I couldn't start on time. That was largely, <laughs> <laughs> that was largely my fault, but, um, I found I was I was pretty good at that, uh, but I never really made the connection that that's where my strengths were was just having this big motor, mm -hmm. um, and so yeah it it I didn't get into cycling until I feel late in the game, um, to be a, a highly competitive athlete you know something that would go to talent ID camps or something mm -hmm. like that, but um, I've I found it now now that I'm I was probably in my early early to mid 20s before i found like i'm pretty good at this right. i can i can do this and then you know we started to get a little more serious and get a coach and mm -hmm. all of this all of this was all you know um just ad hoc self-coached right kind of figured out by the seat of your pants sort of deal right um to to further prove my my cycling ignorance something that that popped up there that, that I, I maybe i i know the answer but um obviously pretty good at the time trials, like you said, I mean, you're catching, you're catching your, your teammates who have a head start, which I mean, that, that should, in theory, that shouldn't happen. Shouldn't happen. Right. Um, why, why didn't that translate? I'm assuming it didn't translate as well. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm assuming, why didn't that translate as well to the to the, the more distance, like the, the, the road racing or what the, the first thing that you mentioned where it's the longer yeah, distance sure. the, events. The, the road race. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so the road race is, um, you're, your assumption, I think, is correct. Where you'd you'd see that and say, "Wow, he can he can motor for a long time and can go a lot faster than a lot of other people. Why can't he just do that on on a road course?" So, um, the road race is how would I describe that? It's a giant raffle. So everyone has a ticket, okay? Mm -hmm. And and ultimately, in a road race, there can only be one one raffle winner, right? Only only one. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes. When you're in a road race, if you are racing, well, let me rephrase that. Whenever you're in a road race, you're almost always racing with a team. And so there's, you know, a handful of guys around you. 
in a road race, there can be so many different things that happen. Maybe you've got a guy who isn't a strong, um, uh, he doesn't have a big engine, but he can climb really well. So he can climb for short periods of time um, and he can get in front of everybody else. So you might see teams trying to position their riders to get their climber up to the top of the hill first, which means he's down on the backside of the hill before the rest mm -hmm. of the group is is up to the top of the hill. So he has a gap over everyone else. Um, and so there's so many more tactical plays to happen. Sometimes you'll have a team that doesn't have any climbers or have any good time trialists and they have a sprinter and they know that if they can get their guy, if they can keep the entire peloton, so that's the whole group right. of riders, they can keep the entire peloton together until the finish, their guy has a better chance of, of winning the, the raffle. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the level of um, tactical, uh, the, the, the tactical plays, this is like a rolling chess game where there's so many different moves and you have to think, you know, um, five or six moves out in advance of like you have plan A through F and, um, and then X, Y, and Z after that sort of thing. And so there's just so many different things versus in a time trial, it is so pure in that it's you against the clock against mm -hmm. everyone else against the clock. No, like you just have to pace yourself right, and that's it. Nothing else matters. Gotcha. And and that's where like I felt like if everyone had a ticket in the road race, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I probably had half a ticket. Where I just I'm not a very good tactician um, mm -hmm. on the road bike. Um, yeah. And and may, maybe there's a correlation here, maybe not. But like to bring it back to the running side of things, it would be mm -hmm. like. The difference between, you know, watching, again, whether it's high school, whether it's the Olympics, but like, you know, the 5K on the track where, you know, it's, it's mayor probably typically, I don't know, maybe, not, maybe not typically, but it's not necessarily like whoever has the, the fastest PR is always going to win because there's so much strategy and, and getting into the group and, and where you're positioned in the, yeah, absolutely. And, and when you kick and that type of thing, kind of, that's how it translates maybe. Yeah. So like you, okay. So five great, 5K is a great example. So like you have, um, if only in, in cycling, you had pacers like you do on, on the track. <laughs> right. Oh my God. Um, so pacer kits in, right. You start off the 5k, um, and, uh, pacer sets off and, you know, you'll see the top, top three or five guys that tuck right in behind the pacer, you know, they're just matching his stride. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're getting, they're getting a draft. And so they're not working as hard. You know, usually the, the guy, you know, um, fourth or fifth position is probably doing the least amount of work. Right. Um, he's probably boxed in on one side if he's running against um, on the inside lane. So, like, he's he's pretty well protected. Um, and it's not until the pacer gets off does the work really start. Right. And so that's where you start to see those tactical plays come come in where it's like, you know, um, well, what were we watching the other day? We were watching the Hayward meet and it was Cooper Tier. And his teammate, oh, I can't remember his name, um, but Cooper Tears, I mean, he's a specialist in the mile. He did he did a 354 or a 353 mile this year mm -hmm. um, indoor. And like he's he's just phenomenal. Right. He's like a sophomore, which is mm -hmm. just out of control. Mm -hmm. um, makes me feel old and bad, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but so, you know, you'll watch him in we were watching him in the 5K and it's like. Pacer gets off. Um, there were a couple other runners. There was an Arizona State runner um, who kicks off and like Pacer gets off and this guy just launches his attack. And it's like, wow, this this Pacer, you know, he, he got off pretty late. I think he took it to 2K. And then um, and then this guy just like shot off the front. 
and you could tell that like that it was a hail mary sort of mm-hmm. play you know where it's like if he can hold this this would be incredible but like i don't know if he can kind of kind of thing but if he sits um, back he probably doesn't have the kick to outkick some of these other guys back, he doesn't right, right exactly so um yeah it uh it's just it's it's that kind of like it's highly tactical and then you know in the last 200 meters that's when you see like whatever you have left you you put out there mm-hmm. and some of these guys can go at 300 meters and some of these guys can go at you know um they can go a lap out they can go right. at 400 meters or, or whatever so yeah it's it um it, it really is the same if, if you start to learn bike racing mm-hmm. um coming from a track background or, or a distance background like it, it really does play out the same yeah. um yeah yeah and, and all of us mortals are the are the time trialers we're just out there running against the clock against ourselves yep, trying it. to <laughs> trying to push ourselves and the the people way up at the front of the pack are the the real racers with the with the lottery tickets so yeah there's there's yeah. Cor- there's there's carryover for sure oh absolutely yeah so uh like, like we've hinted at a couple times some big ambitions you've got uh you got your eyes on uh 2024 which uh you know if you, if people are doing the math right like that's an olympic year even though Obviously, with the pan- pandemic that threw the Olympic year thing off a little bit, but 2024 <laughs> we'll be back on the normal normal routine. Then hopefully, yeah. um, tell us about uh, the the Olympic cycling ambitions and, and kind of how how you're positioning yourself to to hopefully be able to do it. Sure. Um, well, I uh, I have had the fortunate opportunity through my mom to get dual citizenship with Chile. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, re- I received that through her. My mother's Chilean um, and my whole mom's side of the family is, is in Chile. I actually have an older sister who lives down south. Wow. And um, yeah, so, so I was able to get uh, dual citizenship through her, which I'm very grateful for. Um, with that, I noticed that Ch- Chile doesn't have a very well developed um they have a a cycling federation but they don't have a very highly developed road cycling team um the last guy they sent to the olympics in rio um he was 43 years old in an olympic year and he um dnf'd both the road race and the time trial those are the two um olympic cycling events is the road race and the time trial um but he had the opportunity to go represent chile at the absolute highest level of Mm. of sport in the world um, and I got to thinking, like, what an honor that would be. You know, I've got some some very deep family heritage uh, in in Chile, and it would just be such an honor to be able to represent Chile. I've wanted to go to the Olympics for as long as I can remember. I mean, that is a lifetime uh, dream of mine, and I'm sure it is for a, a lot right. of people. And so um, let me be very clear from the start, right, Denny, that or from the outright here, that um, this is not medal contention. <laughs> this is like... If I could not be last, that would be that would be amazing to just beat one person, you know. But more so, it's the opportunity to have the ability, or it's the it's the ability to have the opportunity to compete and represent um, represent Chile and and be an Olympian. You know, that's something that like um, I've got a few Olympian or ex Olympian friends. Um, uh, here in town, uh, in Eugene, there are actually quite a few <laughs> Olympians. <laughs> Um, and, uh, you know, and it's like, you can never take that away from somebody. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's something that's on your resume, whether you lead with it, like, um, you know, we've got a guy here in town, he owns uh, run gum. His name is Nick Simmons. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know, know Nick Simmons. Um, he's a local, he's a two-time Olympian and he leads with that. Like he defines himself as an Olympian 
and he does all these challenges. He just did a, um, a one kilometer um, challenge on our, our local track that was right behind our house, you know, and it's like, he, he, uh, he, this is his thing is he loves mm -hmm. to just challenge people and get them fit and get them active and do this stuff. And, you know, and it's like, I just see so much potential, um, being an Olympian to give back to, to this cycling community afterwards right. is, is kind of my, my deal. So, um, yet I digress, sorry. It, uh, no. um, so that's, that's kind of the overarching goal is to try and compete, um, at the 2020, 2024 Paris Games, um, uh, representing Chile. Um, it is a like the 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 image I have constantly playing in my head is the the door is like there's a light under the door and I can get my fingers under that door to try and crack it open. Mm -hmm. And it's like okay, well if I can get my fingers under the door, maybe I can get a hand through the door. If I can get a hand through the door, maybe I can get an elbow in. Maybe I can unlatch the door from the inside if I can get my elbow around the corner. And it's like if I can slowly and just through sheer grit and determination get my way through the door, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. Because like so few people have an opportunity to compete at this level. Um, and I'm good, but I'm not great. Right. Um, I'm an amateur athlete who's had some mm, good success on the bike. Um, but it's it's more just that opportunity to go and compete and represent the country um that that uh would just be such an honor yeah yeah well and you know i mean i feel like it, a lot of runners have heard the you know the statistics right of like you know one percent of of the people have ever run a marathon or whatever the exact number is yeah. um and and like you know whether you finish first whether you finish last whatever it is like like you're you're in a pretty elite status there and and yeah i mean talk about yeah. taking that mm -hmm. out to you know moving the decimal point a few places to get to <laughs> to be like like you said i mean i it, oh man if i if I, not that i have any ways of of qualifying for the olympics and anything but like Oh, I would lead with it all the time. Like, like, Oh, right. have you I told know. you before that I've been in the Olympics? Like, like, Oh man, it'd be <laughs> awesome. And you know, it, um, I, I think about it on, on several levels, you know? Yeah. Like it's, and anyone who's run a marathon or run, you know, if you've done the couch to 5k, even, even that, like you've completed something mm -hmm. you've come, you've, 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 um, you are always in forever a 5k athlete. You are always and forever a marathoner. No one can ever take that away from you because you completed it, right? And and I think that holds true, you know, uh, even if... All right, so I'll, I'll use this example. Um, I've got a good friend here. His name's uh, Ian Dobson. He was an Olympian in the 1500 meter. Um, he organizes the Eugene Marathon here in town, um, which just happened. Uh, the virtual Eugene Marathon just happened the last two weekends. And... Um, you know, he got knocked out in qualifiers, um, didn't make it to the to the finals, just got kicked out because he didn't meet the standard anymore. And, um, you know, he was kind of bummed by that. But Ian, you know, when he walks around town and not that this is for I don't do this for fame and glory and, right. you know, um, people feeding me grapes off of off of the branch <laughs> kind of thing, you know, but like he walks around town with such a level of credibility that it's like do you know what you're talking about? Oh, who is this guy? It's like, oh, this is Ian Dobson. He's, he's an Olympian. And it's like, oh, oh, there's, there's some credibility to that. And he gives so much back to the running community here in town that it's like, that is someone that I look up to and aspire to, 
to to work towards is like that ability to to have this opportunity to compete to do the thing and then come back and share this experience and share this credibility and say i'm trying to better my community from this like that's that's my goal ultimately um um and yeah and we'll, we'll see at the very least i'll get some good fitness out of it right yeah like I'll, absolutely, I'll absolutely. Well, certainly wish you nothing but the, the best in that endeavor and and um I mean, long, long road to get there, obviously five years. I mean, you know, we can do the math on that or I guess not five years, three years. I'm, I'm two, three years. Two, I, I yeah. moved my Olympic cycle one year in the wrong direction there. At first I know it's, and, and it's, it's difficult to look at it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, so, but yeah, my, I mean, lots, lots of work to do. And, and I know you've got uh, a GoFundMe going if, if people want to, obviously it, it costs some money to, to get the races and, and probably have to travel some to, to Chile to, to maybe do some competition there, at least competing at various, you know, what, what's the, what's the kind of the qualification process look like for you? Yeah. So, um, this is a bit of a uncharted lonely road and I'm, I'm figuring this out on a, uh, regular basis of assessing planning and then reassessing and replanning. Um, but yeah, so the qualification route as it stands right now is, um, to go to Chile, they just went into another government uh, lockdown mm -hmm. due to COVID. And so they've postponed the national championships, but it's to go down there, race the national championships, um, hopefully come away with a title in the time trial. Um, that's that's uh, the first goal. Mm -hmm. um, this is all a points-based system. So the way that you qualify is there's no like Olympic standard. Like if you run this okay. time, you automatically qualify, right? Um, so there's, uh, you have to garner enough points to be able to, um, to qualify for the team or, or be selected for the team. So the first qualification will be the national championships. After that will be some, uh, international races to earn more points, place high enough in the rankings, um, in the races to, um, earn more points and, uh, qualify for the Pan Am games, which fortunately are held. The Pan Am games in 2023 are going to be held in Santiago, Chile. Mm. And so, um, being the host country, they'll have a full roster of athletes that they can fill versus mm -hmm. just a one or two person quota. So, um, I'll have a better chance of being able to qualify for the Pan Am games, which is 2023, which is then a year out, which is a, a qualifying standard or qualifying timeline for, um, the Paris games. So that's, that's hopefully the goal is national championships, Pan Am games, um, Paris games. Gotcha. There'll be some stuff in between. Of course. Um, thanks. Thanks for mentioning the GoFundMe. I appreciate that. Um, you can, you can find it. It's Andrew's Olympic journey on GoFundMe. Um, I, I don't have big sponsors. I do this on my own. Um, you know, I, I work in a bike shop and, <laughs> and there's, there's not big bucks in the bike shop, believe it or not. Um, you know, and so, yeah, any, any contributions, any support is, is so humbling and I'm so grateful for, um, you know, typically I'm, I'm trying to plan for five trips, um, uh, to travel and, and race, um, typical pro racers do between 80 and 90 races on their calendar. So I'm, wow. I, I know I'm at a bit of a loss. So each race is at a pretty high stakes mm -hmm. to be able to compete and, and place well. Um, just cause you can't make those, you can't say, oh, this is a bad race. I'll just, I'll do right. it again next week. You know? Right. Um, so it, uh, yeah, I'm, I know I'm working on a truncated schedule and I will make, you know, I'll have to make the best of it. Um, mm -hmm. unless some of you have some pro sponsorship and have <laughs> billions and billions of dollars who are listening to this, 
this podcast, you have a much greater reach than I do, Denny. Um, and maybe maybe there's someone in the woodworking that uh, that would like to to chat, and then I'd love to chat. <laughs> yeah, well, if 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 that is you, uh, like like we said, we got we'll have it, we'll have everything linked up in the show notes. But but it's it, there's the GoFundMe yeah. there if you want to kick in a couple shekels. That's that's appreciated, I'm sure. Yeah, as well. very much so. Um, yeah. But uh, we'll have that there. Um, I know we're we're starting to to wind down on time here, but a couple other uh, fine, may, yeah. maybe quick questions. I don't know. We'll see how it goes, and I'll always you know can can not ask a question if we do run out of time. But um, I, I know you uh, just recently had a little bit of a of a tumble off the bike, um, <laughs> and and wound up with it with the arm in the cast. Uh, like, how, how does that impact the the timelines and the races and things like that? Uh, sucks. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm on, I'm on no schedule for time. So we are, we are just fine too. Um, yeah. Uh, super sucks. went out for, for a bike ride. I was on my mountain bike and, um, had this like, you know, those slow motion crashes or tumbles or trips or whatever, like you think you can save it and Mm. you can't, Mm -hmm. but everything happens in slow motion because you're not going that fast. This is, this was that. So like, was doing like maybe five miles an hour and I just went over the handlebars and I landed in a heap. I know well enough not to put my wrists out, you know, like don't put your hands out mm-hmm. when you're falling, like tuck and roll. But I didn't even have enough momentum to roll. So I just like splop kind of <laughs> landed on the trail. Um, and I, I like I, I broke the head of my radius. Um, mm. So my wrist is in a cast and that is not how I wanted to start my season. I had ironically. I was scheduled to do one of our uh, local races out in Bend, Oregon. It was called Bone Crusher. And it's like, well, it <laughs> lived up to the name. Womp, womp. Yeah, <laughs> here we go. So um, so I'm six weeks in a cast. Um, the FOMO is uh, astronomical mm-hmm. uh, because everyone is racing. And, and this is the first opportunity. We haven't had, we, we didn't really have any races last year right. um, due to COVID, as I'm sure, you know, almost no one did at mm-hmm. all. Um, but even, you know, you can't really do a virtual bike race um, versus a virtual 5k or 10k or marathon or whatnot. Um, so yeah, we, we collectively as cyclists are, are chomping at the bit to be able to race our bikes again. And so to see people coming out and, and racing and then like, here I am (laughs) just Mm kind of, kind of sitting and, and chilling, um, so I got on the on the bike trainer, the stationary trainer yesterday to see how things feel, and that felt okay. So I'll start to ramp up um, some training, and I'll probably supplement that with some um, with some hiking as well. Just picked up a new pair of hiking shoes, a trail running shoes, and and got myself a um, one of those uh, Nathan uh, hydration packs, mm-hmm. like the Ultra packs and things like that. So. Um, I'm, I'm very much a gearhead through all senses of the, of the word. And, um, now I've got some gear to go play around in the woods with to supplement the the training on the bike. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, uh, hopefully, you know, uh, hopefully it'd be the last injury issue that you deal with for the foreseeable future. Cause like you said, you can't just be like, Oh, I missed a, I missed a race. Like no big deal. Like, like, you know, they all, they all, even the, even these little local ones that are just starting to get back, like those are all, all matter. matter. Yeah. Yeah. They all matter. Um, boy, we, we could have an episode, um, 
if if this goes well enough and you were happy enough with our conversation, uh, we could have an episode on injuries alone. Okay. That would be a multi-hour, well, multi-part episode. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to plan that because, <laughs> I, I, you know, you, you save that one for, for just about the end. And, and, you know, people listening know this because I'd say it just about any time that, the, that it makes sense. But my background is in athletic training. So it, oh, okay. sports right. injuries are like... That's my that's my wheelhouse. I could talk oh, sports man. injuries all day. So, oh goodness, we got we got. I've I've got a dossier of um, <laughs> two years ago. I broke my pelvis. Um, I couldn't tell you how many ribs I've broken or shoulders or yeah, you know it. Uh, oh, we could we could talk, oh, don't you? <laughs> well, yeah, we'll 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 stick a pin in those and, and come back to them at some point. You know, get a, get an update on how things are going and all that kind yeah. of good stuff, and just dive yeah. into the injury talk, but. Um, and in an effort to not make this a two and a half hour podcast episode right out of the gate. Um, but, but speaking of podcast episode, again, one other thing to at least touch on and maybe, maybe save more of the details for, for the, the next time we, we hopefully do this. Um, but you have a podcast as well. Tell us a little bit about the, uh, the not last podcast. I do. Yeah. Um, so my humble little podcast, I just did my 21st episode. There you so go. Not, not near the 900. Hey, but most people do, don't make but, it past like 10 or whatever the, the number um, is. So you're, you're doing well. You're it, doing well. <laughs> thanks. It, um, it started out. So the premise of, of not last um, is, is my goal towards the Olympics is to go and compete at the Olympics and, and not be last. So this is the not last podcast. Um, and and the the premise is kind of share my my personal project and and share this this pathway towards qualification and hopefully the opportunity to compete at the highest level of sport, um, but also to to share other um, uh, other interesting and stories that I find inspiring uh, as they pertain to just athleticism and th- for me it's through the lens of cycling to the to, for the most part. Mm-hmm. However, I've done stories on um, I did a an episode that I really enjoyed doing. It was on the golden hour at Western States. Mm. Um, and I don't know, are you familiar with Western States, the Western States 100? So hundred mile trail run, 24 hours. Um, and there's, they finish on a track and mm. it's the golden hour where these people are at like 23 hours and like they're running up to like 23, 59, 59 kind of mm. deal. And like the stadium is packed with people. It's packed with all the previous finishers. It's packed with families and friends. And like, boy, it just erupts as soon as anyone enters the track and they're like sprinting to the line. But you can tell just how tired they are. Mm. It's this just it's an amazing time to, to see just the celebration of sport. Um, it's the golden hour of Western states. And so, you know, I do some podcasts on that. I bring in some interview interviewees. A lot of them have been runners. Um as a matter of fact, and um, yeah, so just kind of kind of sharing stories and talking about life and sports, and it's it's been an opportunity. I think what I love with podcasting more than anything is it's an opportunity to be open and vulnerable, mm-hmm. um, and so I can I can kind of talk about that. We talk a lot about I spend a fair bit of time talking about mental health mm-hmm. um, and struggling. I struggle with anxiety. Uh, pretty, um, I think I'm a pretty highly functioning person with with a high level of anxiety. And, and I struggle with that and I struggle with the mental game of sport quite a lot. And so, yeah, we, I can, I can talk about that and I can be open mm-hmm. and honest and, and it's a great opportunity to, to share those things, which I don't think we as, as male athletes, whether you consider yourself an athlete or a hobby jogger or whatever, like people who are, who are active in, in sport in some fashion, like we don't 
talk about the mental side of things as much. Um, and, and I think that that's something that we should talk more about. Uh, so yeah. Gotcha. That's, well, that's the podcast. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely worth checking out. And, and, you know, if, if, at least for me, if you listen to one podcast, you're going to listen to 35 or 40 of them on a regular, <laughs> regular rotation. Sure, yeah. So, uh, those of you that, that, uh, that, that want to join me in, in checking out the, the not last podcast and, and, uh, following along, you know, great way to follow along as well as you pursue the, the Olympic dream, uh, great yeah, way to do you. it. So definitely encourage everybody to check that out. Uh, all right. Last but not least, I promise we won't keep you too much longer. Uh, that's fine. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I like to close with with kind of a similar to the introductory question, something that's fairly open ended, pretty pretty uh, kind of just take it whichever way you want to go. With. I call it the philosophical question, which sometimes gets people a little nervous. We start talking philosophy around here, but maybe it's not it's not that <laughs> not that loaded. I promise. Um, but uh, I, I have maybe a more specific philosophical question for you today than I normally would. You know, kind sure. of normally just pick kind of something at random. But um, one thing I talk about fairly regularly and encourage, you know, the, the runners that I coach and encourage, try to encourage myself to do this too. This is where, where I kind of be, uh, be a bit hypocritical at times. Um, <laughs> but the value in cross training, the value in doing other things besides just running, yes, running might be our priority, but sure. you know, other things can help us be, be better runners, be better athletes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and again, maybe this is me asking a selfish question, like Andrew, why should I spend more time on the bike than I, than I currently do? But <laughs> instead of, instead of just making it about me, let's make it about everybody. Um, from your experience as a cyclist and, and you know, the, the, the benefits cardiovascularly, the benefits for leg strength, like just like some of the adaptations that you've seen that the, the, the fitness gains that you've seen why should should more runners whether it's a spin bike whether it's taking you know spin classes peloton whatever getting out on the road getting out on the, the trails and doing mountain biking yeah but but why should more runners in in i'm gonna assume in your opinion but maybe maybe i'm wrong here but why should running or, or at least why could running be a valuable asset for runners as we pursue whatever running goals that we might have oh man so uh that is an awesome question uh like like you, I mean, without a degree in in this, um, I spent a fair bit of time as um, in studying exercise phys as mm-hmm. a hobby, mm-hmm. and have been an EMT and a wilderness EMT and wow. and all this stuff in the past. So, mm-hmm. um, I I believe very strongly in um, oh, how do I say this? Uh, variety in sport is key. Uh, I think doing some cross training. I spend two to three days a week in, in the gym, um, off the bike and uh, under normal circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, and just for the, um, the psychological stimulation is one of it is one thing just to, to change up the mundane. And, you know, I'm sure if, if you are an avid runner, you have your local loop that's around your house that you could run probably blindfolded, mm-hmm. but could you ride it on a bike blindfolded? Could you do, you know, two or three times that loop on, on the bike two or three times as fast. Um, and does it, you know, it, it engages your brain and, and creates different synapses in, in, uh, or creates new synapses mm-hmm. that, um, haven't previously been there. So that, that for one, just the psychological gain of, of doing some variety, spin bike, road bike, mountain bike, track bike, BMX bike. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Right. You know, as long as you're out and doing that, um, being, being active is key, but being active for, um, uh, for your one sport, like specific, how would I say this? Uh, you, you get me going with all these thoughts all, all at once. <laughs> I was going to say, I stumped you on the, so I, you, I, I you don't kinda, try to do that. <laughs> like, 
I feel like I just want to word vomit on onto all these things. So, um, so there's there's the psychological gain of of creating these new synapses and just being stimulated in other ways, even if it's on the same route. So, however you change that up, either it's with speed, having you know more speed on the bike than you do as you run. Maybe it's doing the lap, you know, uh, shorter but harder kind of thing. Right. Um, please don't run blindfolded or bike blindfolded. That's that's not what <laughs> that I'm was, saying. That was that was more metaphor. That was that was that, was, that wasn't literal. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think so. I I know um, for me at least that osteoporosis and osteopenia um, runs heavily in my family, mm. and so as a cyclist, we don't do much pounding at all. Mm. It's it's pretty. Um, you know, I'm working in a sagittal plane, and I'm not. I'm not. Um, maybe if I go over a pothole, I get some pounding to increase bone density, but like, you know, that's, that's few and far between. So like, even if it's, you know, um, some long distance hiking or things, I've got to do things for myself that help, help with bone density. Um, and so the pounding and things help, helps to stimulate that, uh, uh, a fair bit. And albeit I can't run, I can still, you know, I can still hike a long ways. I can still do things and, and have some variety. Um, I've branched out from the road bike. I've almost been exclusively on the road bike and on the time trial bike until uh, probably the last two years where I finally picked myself up a mountain bike. And I've been really enjoying just riding the trails and riding riding the mountain bike because it's very stimulating. It's new, exciting. There's a steep learning curve. I learned that the hard way, breaking my wrist. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and so maybe if it's not, you know, if you're a road runner, maybe picking up some trail shoes and, and getting on the trail and just... You know, it's, I'm sure you can relate to this where road miles versus trail miles, you feel like if you're running fast on a trail and everything is just whooshing by you or whipping by you, uh, you know, um, all of a sudden and you have to navigate the routes and navigate mm-hmm. the whatever rock or, or whatever thing is in front of you and, and just react in, in you know, um, uh, kind of in uh, all of a sudden to that, like it's, it's very stimulating to do. And it's, it's a nice variety of, of things to do. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of doing things that help to supplement your sport, whatever that may be. And, um, and I think it's, it's good for the body and it's, it's good for the mind to, to do that. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't take up, um, a sport that is completely counterintuitive. You know, there's a, mm-hmm. things that are, that overlap, like in cycling, you've got the cardio, you've got the, um, the, the slow twitch, um, muscle, you know, synapses that you're building and, and things on the bike. And that translates quite easily onto the, um, onto the road if you're a runner and, and vice versa. Um, mm-hmm. you can build more cardio on the bike for sure than you can, than you can running. Um, I can bury myself way deeper on the bike than I can when I'm, when I was ever running. That's mm-hmm. for sure. Um, yeah. Gotcha. Well, that's, that's, uh, like I said, maybe, maybe it was a selfish question because I've been neglecting no, my fine. bike. Well, but as far as like, just good to hear that from, from somebody else. It's like, you know, cause I, I I'm good at saying on the microphone, like, yeah, do other things, be a, be a well-rounded athlete. <laughs> Don't just run. Um, I've been, right. better, been pretty good at my strength training lately, but, uh, my, my bike is collecting more dust than it is miles. And that's that probably should change. So thank you for, for uh, reminding me of that, Andrew, and hopefully reminding everybody else about it as well. Uh, and sure. guys, once again, uh, if you want to follow along with Andrew as he, as he's chasing down, uh, chasing down a healthy wrist first, and then chasing down an Olympic dream, 
uh, at Andrew underscore Neil underscore Nunez on Instagram uh, at uh, not last underscore podcast. If you want to follow the podcast feed on Instagram, yeah, uh-huh. but also the not last podcast is, uh, is the, the podcast that he, that he does uh, give it a, give it a subscribe, give it a listen and, and follow along there. Um, and again, disruns.com slash nine, four, eight is the link back to the show notes for today. We'll have the, the GoFundMe linked up there, photos, links, the whole nine as per usual, disruns.com slash nine, four, eight. So uh, Andrew, thanks for, uh, for taking the time today, a little, a little extra time than, uh, than I had anticipated, but it was a great conversation. I appreciate your, your generosity with, with extending this out a little bit longer. Um, but certainly wish you nothing but the best going forward and certainly looking forward to following along. And, and like I said, doing this again at some time, talking some injuries, but also talking some, some progress towards the Olympics down the road. But uh, until then, be well. And, and thanks again for the time today. All right, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope you enjoyed the conversation between Andrew and myself. And as per usual, I'd be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was what was the part of today's conversation that really kind of stuck with you? Lots of lots of things for me, um, but I, I think that the 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 biggest thing for me, kind of the overarching uh, takeaway from from this chat, is just the idea of just setting setting big, ridiculous, obnoxious maybe not obnoxious, but just far fetched goals, right? Like. I feel like in in the in the world of of athletics, I mean, you can't get much bigger than the Olympics. You know, maybe maybe NFL, NBA, something something like that, maybe. Um, but even then, like, plenty of guys make it to the NBA, and only twelve of them every four years make the the basketball men's basketball Olympic team. Um, so so even then, you know, I mean, the Olympics is about as big as it gets, and you know, to to think that hey, like you're going to start your Olympic dream at you know, whatever in your, in your twenties, um, I feel like that's, that on the surface sounds ridiculous, right? Like, like, yeah, right. And yet Andrew's got a plan, you know, he, he, he wasn't afraid to set a big goal, wasn't afraid to set his sights really high, pretty much as high as you can probably go. Um, and then, you know, try to figure out a way to get there. You know, like, like he said, he's not, he's not misguided on whether or not he has a chance to win. Whether or not he's, he's, you know, if he gets there, has a chance for the gold medal. Um, but, but just to get there and to compete, I mean, ridiculous, amazing. And he's got a plan to get there. And, and I think that, that sometimes for us as runners, and, and, and maybe not even for us, but for me, um, it's easy to kind of put a, put a goal out there, but then kind of hedge, right? Like how many times have I talked about Boston? A few. You all know that Boston's a big goal of mine. Yet, have you ever heard me say, "Yeah, my goal is to qualify for Boston when I'm when I'm 40, or you know, when I have to by running a 310 or a 305 or something like that." No, no. I've always said, "Yeah, my goal is to qualify for Boston. All I got to do is get you know 30 minutes faster and 20 years older, and somewhere in there, things will line up." And while there's nothing necessarily wrong with having that be part of the plan, why not set the sights bigger? Why not say that, you know, I want to get, I want to get faster and I want to get older and I want those lines to line up. And Oh, by the way, when I'm 50, I'd love to run that 310. Now, maybe it won't happen. Maybe that's, that's asking too much, but you know, if my goal is to squeak in at a 335 when I'm 50, well, why not set a goal for, for 310 when I'm 50, blow past the mark and cruise in at 317, you know, even if I don't quite hit my goal, right? Why not set it, set it high? Do the work, put a plan in place, and see what happens. See what happens. 
And, and you know, I mean, it, maybe it's kind of cliche or woo-woo or whatever, but, like, if you do that, then you can no longer kind of, you know, you never have to worry about what if. You know, if, if, if Andrew had this goal of, like, or this, this idea of, like, yeah, man, wouldn't it be cool if I could qualify for the Olympics and I've got this Chilean heritage and so I can qualify as a Chilean athlete instead of as a U.S. athlete? Um, nah, no, that'd be ridiculous. And then for the rest of his life, he'd say, well, I, you know, I wonder. I wonder what if. What if it could have happened? Well, now he's chasing it. Get there or not, he's chasing it. And so he'll never have that what if. And, you know, if I'm honest, I'm not really chasing that 310. I'm not really chasing that 305. Like, I've thought about it and thought, yeah, that'd be awesome. But I'm, I'm you know, kind of, kind of tongue-in-cheek but kind of serious. Like, get 30 minutes faster and 20 years older and, and we got a shot. Well, why not get 50 minutes faster and 20 years older? And it'll be a slam dunk. I don't know. Set your goals high. I need to set my goals high. Higher. And maybe more specific, too. Maybe that's part of it, too. I don't know. Uh, I talk about goal setting a lot, and yet my goals are kind of meh as far as being well-defined. So maybe that's something I need to work on. But anyway, that was my takeaway today. Set, don't be afraid to set those big goals, those goals that other people think might be ridiculous. You know, you think, oh, God, there's no way I could ever qualify for Boston. Well, if you don't want to, don't worry about it. But if that's something that you wouldn't mind doing... Even if you're, quote unquote, even if you're a five-hour marathoner right now, 30 minutes faster, 45 minutes faster, an hour faster, 20 years older, eh, maybe, maybe. I don't want to say where there's a will, there's a way, but where there's a will, there's a possibility. You know, then we figure out the way as we go. Something to think about, something to think about, something I'm thinking about, have been thinking about since uh, talking to Andrew the other day, and uh, definitely been rattling around in my mind it's just the, the 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 value of big goals and then you know getting to work at it getting to work on those big goals good stuff good stuff certainly wish andrew nothing but the best and and uh definitely looking forward to following along and and you know we've had a few folks that have been on the olympics or been, been trying to get on the olympics running wise it'd be cool to have somebody on the show that's that's trying to qualify for the olympics in another sport funny how that works out anyway that was my takeaway today what about you what stood out to you from today's episode at disruns on twitter at disruns on instagram you can also let me know via email disruns at gmail.com or you can head over to the show notes for today's episode which you can find at disruns.com slash 948 disruns.com slash 948 photos links the whole nine you can support andrew and his his journey there as well if you're so inclined but you can also scroll on down there to the comment section and leave your thoughts feedbacks takeaways down there as well Love to hear what you think about today's episode, about the idea as, as you know, in your 20s, decide, hey, I'm going to aim for the Olympics. It's awesome. That is awesome. So that's it for me. Uh, one last time for Head Sweats, disruns.com slash Head Sweats is the affiliate link. Doesn't cost you any extra, but it does throw a couple of shekels my way, which is always appreciated. Uh, but more, le- more important than supporting me, support yourself by using the code DIZRUNS40, D-I-Z-R-U-N-S-40 on anything you buy from Head Sweats, any, any hat, gear, shirts, shirts, not shorts, they don't have shorts yet, uh, but shirts, leggings, th- three-quarter zip jackets, which you might not need unless you live in South Dakota, but, you know, whatever, get what you need, get what you want, get, you know, splurge for a little something extra because you're saving 40%, so if you get a few things, it's kind of like you get one thing for free anyway, because that's how math works, but anyway, uh, disruns.com slash headsweats, disruns40 at checkout, and with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. Uh, Thanks for listening today. A little bit longer than usual, but hopefully it was well worth it. And uh, y'all, until next time, please be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, all right? See you guys.